Hello and welcome to the Future Father Dave podcast. Join me, a Catholic seminarian, each week as I share the story of my vocation and prepare to embark upon the journey of a lifetime as a Catholic priest. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Future Father Dave podcast. As always, I will start this week's episode with a prayer, and then I will jump into the Rosebud Thorn segment, followed by a quick recap of the week. I've spent this past week in the state of New York. I've actually gone pretty close to New York City, which has been kind of neat, and uh, I've met some some really great people along the way. So can't wait to share this week's episode with you. I also have an interview with a Franciscan friar from the Graymore Spiritual Retreat Center, which I passed on Thursday of this week. And so real excited to share my interview with Father Dan. And um, yeah, so that's some highlights from this week. Um, So I'll go ahead and get started with prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for another amazing week on trail. I thank you. uh, I pray in thanksgiving today for all the wonderful hospitality that I've I've received this week from the friars at Graymore to the people that I've stayed with this weekend here in Pauling, New York. Uh, Just the hospitality has been incredible and uh, just once again, uh, has restored my faith in humanity and the um, just met so many, many more amazing people on trail. So I thank you for that. And I just pray for the continued safety of all the different hikers out there and their different journeys and the different reasons that they come to the trail to, um, to know and uh, discern life. So in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so with that, I will jump into the Rosebud Thorn segment for this week. So my rose from this week was my experience and time on Thursday at the Graymore Spiritual Retreat Center. And so the Graymore Retreat Center is run by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement, and they have about 400 acres on top of this mountain. And actually part of the Appalachian Trail goes right through their property and they will allow hikers to come and camp on their property. They have a picnic pavilion uh, and an outdoor shower that they'll let hikers use. And it's just a really wonderful spot. Um, and I actually didn't make it quite all the way there on thir- uh, to camp there on Wednesday night. I actually camped several miles further back on trail. But on Thursday morning, I went and stopped by and ended up uh, having mass with the friars and then uh, they invited me to stay for lunch and I got a tour of the grounds by one of the uh, friars, Father Dan, Father Dan Callahan. So it was really a wonderful experience for the day and uh, I will uh, dive in a little bit deeper into that experience later, later in this episode. So that was definitely the rose for this weekend or for this week. My bud for this week is, so next Tuesday, it's looking like, uh, or so next weekend, I will be staying with Jacqueline, my friend who I've mentioned in previous episodes. She lives in New Hampshire with her family, 
and she has offered to come pick me up from trail and take me to be with her family for Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to stay with her for Memorial Day weekend. And then on Tuesday of next week, we are going to try and go to a Boston Red Sox game at Fenway Park. So I am very, very excited about that. I'm a huge baseball fan. For those of you who uh, know me well, you know that I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. So unfortunately, the Red Sox aren't playing the Braves. They've actually already played the Braves, but... Uh, Fenway is just one of those bucket list items for if you're a baseball fan, you've all, you all you definitely want to go to Fenway and Wrigley Wrigley Field in Chicago. So, I've been to Wrigley Field, but I've never been to Fenway, and um, my dad's actually super jealous of the fact that I'm going to go to a Red Sox game at Fenway. So, really looking forward to that and uh, spending the weekend next weekend with Jacqueline and her family, who. Um, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, is a big part of, has been a big part of my journey so far because she's really helped me to get to mass and coordinate different things about my trip. So having through hiked last year, she's been a huge, huge help to me this year in my hike. My thorn from this week, unfortunately, is continued issues with my water filtration system and water storage system. Uh, the, f- the new filter that I got is working fine, but unfortunately the new bladder that I got to hold all of my water was leaking. And then my other bag that I had was also leaking. So I've gone through about four or five different leaky water systems at this point uh, in four weeks. And so really hoping I can get that figured out and squared away and, and find a system that works for me and doesn't leak. Uh, because that's kind of important to not be leaking water everywhere all the time. And so that has been really frustrating dealing with that. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fill up my water bladder and have two liters. And then all of a sudden half of that is all over my stuff and got all my clothes soaking wet and my sleeping bag. So not really the most fun thing to deal with, but we're working through it. And I think I've got, got a solution now. Um, I've been able to to get something that works for me. So hopefully no more leaks in the near future. And um, yeah, so that is the Rosebud Thorn segment for this week. Uh, Overall, no complaints. It's been a great week. And if the worst thing is a leaky water bottle, I think I can handle that. So now I will jump into a summary of my week here in New York. Uh, when I left you guys last week, I was on my way to Warwick, New York for a, a night of camping at the Drive-In Movie Theater. And that was really a, a really neat experience um, to be able to camp at the Drive-In. There was about eight or, eight or ten other hikers there that camped with us that night. And one of those hikers was actually Jacqueline Hale, who I will, be, I will be visiting next weekend. And she has been, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, a huge help to me. She was a through hiker last year and um, has really been a huge help to me getting to mass and coordinating different logistics and things like that. And so it just happened to work out that she was road tripping from Florida back home to New Hampshire, where she's from. And she was able to stop in on Sunday last week and meet me at the drive-in and camp with me and be able to meet me in person. So that was really special to have her there to join us at the drive-in. 
So that was about eight miles that I hiked on Sunday, and she was able to actually grab my pack as well. So I had to, I was able to, to do what they call slack packing, which is where you hike without your pack, and then somebody meets you further down the trail with your gear. So that was a nice treat on Sunday. And then on Monday, I went from Warwick to the Wildcat Shelter, which was about 12 miles. And that shelter was very crowded. That was probably the most crowded I've ever been at a shelter. And it was a great time. We had probably 15, 12 or 15 people there. And uh, so it was a lot of conversation, a lot of, um, we had a bonfire. I actually made a bonfire because they, somebody had collected a bunch of wood and was just sitting there. So I was like, this wood is just asking to be burned. And so we had a big bonfire, which is a lot of fun. And I also had a spiritual direction call with Father Bill Seifert, who is my spiritual director. Uh, he's a member of the SVD order and he's done international missions for years, but he's a good friend of my grandmother's and, uh, he's been my spiritual director now for, um, a little over a year, I would say, probably. A uh, year and a half, actually. Closer to a year and a half. But Anyway, so it was good to check in with him on Monday. And then on Tuesday, I hiked 15 miles from the Wildcat Shelter to the Fingerboard Shelter. And that day was very long because it was... Um, uh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that day was really long uh, because there was a lot of up and down and elevation and stuff like that. Um, so that was just a really long day. And then Wednesday, I woke up super early on Wednesday because on Wednesday, the trail goes through Bear Mountain, North New York, which is right on the Hudson River. And I saw in my guidebook that the trail went right through a, um, a zoo. So I was really, really excited when I heard about the trail going through the zoo. And I, w I ended up waking up super early to make sure that I could go to the zoo. Because if you get to the zoo after hours, you actually have to take a detour around the zoo. But if you get there during business hours, they will allow you to go through the zoo because the trail runs right through the zoo, which is pretty cool. But unfortunately, when I got to the zoo, it was a little bit of a letdown. It's more of a nature center, and they had they had a few animal exhibits, but not not a ton, and it was it was a little bit of a letdown, but it was still worth the trip, and I got to got to see some animals, and they had a bear exhibit, so that's the one bear I've seen on trail so far. Go figure, right? I'm in the woods for a month and I don't see any bears and then the one bear I do see is in captivity at a zoo <laughs> so kind of funny there but anyway so that was Wednesday and then on Thursday I spent most of the day at the Graymore Retreat Center I did um, about 12 miles total but had a very long um, long stay at the uh, at the retreat center and I had I had a chance to go to mass with the friars, and then they invited me, as I said earlier, to, to lunch with them, and, I, and then I got a tour of the grounds by Father Dan Callahan, which I will share that tour with you later in the episode. I did an interview with Father Dan, uh, and so that'll be coming up uh, 
next after this in the next segment. So after after uh, my visit with Graymore on Thursday, I went another 12 miles from Dennytown Road to um, where did I where did I go Thursday? Oh yeah, the pizzeria. Yeah. So from there, it was about 12 miles to a pizza shop. And the pizza shop will actually let you camp out back behind the pizza shop. So that was really cool to, uh, to have, uh, to be able to camp behind the pizza shop. And uh, they have a little patch of grass there and they're super hiker friendly. So that was really cool, a neat experience. And then on Saturday, I did 16 miles down into Pauling where I stayed for Saturday night with the Gens, uh, a really wonderful couple here in Pauling. And then they were able to help me get to Mass today uh, on Sunday. And I'm actually taking my first full off day today on Sunday. So I have done zero miles today. So I did a total of 85 miles for the week. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great week. So by way of introduction, this week's guest on the podcast is a man by the name of Dan Ca- Father Dan Callahan, and he is a member of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement, and he is also nicknamed the Iron Friar because, believe it or not, he has raced 25 Ironman triathlons. So he's um, a bit of a unique character for sure. He's... Um, pretty legendary in my book because of that. And so he lives at the Graymore Retreat Center, which is run by these Franciscan friars. And uh, the Graymore Retreat Center actually runs right near the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail actually runs through part of their property. Uh, They own about 400 acres on top of this mountain near the Hudson River. And I happened to stop in at this retreat center on Thursday of this week because I saw it on my my guidebook. I knew I would be coming past it, so it's just off trail. I stopped in and had the opportunity to to meet the friars, and uh, Father Dan was gracious enough to give me some of his time on Thursday afternoon to walk around and give me a tour of the grounds and talk talk a little bit about the history of their order and the uh the retreat center so i was really really fortunate to have that opportunity and father dan was very gracious to um to host me for the day so really looking forward to sharing my my discussion with y'all and uh hope you can get something out of it and uh learn a bit of learn a little bit about their work up in new york they're really a great order and they do a lot of really great work for the community and uh, for the the overall church. So really looking forward to to sharing the interview with you and um, hope you enjoy. Friars and Sisters, we were founded in 1898 by Father Paul Watson and Mother Lorena White, who were Anglicans. And they were praying for the unity of Christians. That was the, the reason for being. And in the process of their prayer and conversion, they realized that that the Pope was the, the center of unity for the church, and, you know, going back to St. Peter, which is why we have St. Peter's statue there. And so in their prayer, they discerned that God was calling them to join the Catholic Church. So they asked Rome, 
Uh, Marie Delval was the Secretary of State, St. Pius X was the Pope, and Marie Delval um, talked to the Pope, and the Pope said, let him in. And so we came as a corporate body, as friars and sisters, from the Anglican Church into the Roman Catholic Church, where we continued to pray and work for the unity of all Christians. And that's our main ministry today. Now this chapel here, Father Paul built in 1909, just after we came into the Roman Catholic Church. And as you can see, it's still in an Anglican sort of design with the, with the, mm -hmm. with the cross and Mary and John at the foot of the cross. And the, the statue up in, uh, on top there is St. Francis. It's made from his death mask, and it's one of two in the world. The, Father Paul used to, um, he was a great fundraiser, and he wrote, a, there was a magazine called The Lamp, which he started writing when, when he was suppressed by, um, by uh, the facts of, of life. He, he couldn't preach anymore as a, as a Catholic or as an Anglican because the Catholics thought he was too Protestant and the Protestants thought he was too Catholic. That's <laughs> and so funny. he started to write. And he's writing the lamp and he was a great fundraiser. Well, money would come in and he would send it right out for the poor. He was sending it to the Middle East for, for the, um, the uh, Eastern churches that were being persecuted then as they are today. And as we know, there's so many problems in, in the Middle East. So the friars, he had a whole philosophy of we have less so they have more. And so the friars are pretty much starving to death and the money is going off and he's sending it to churches in Assisi to, um, to rebuild them after there was problems with an earthquake up there. Well, they were so grateful for the money that he was sending to rebuild the church. And of course, if you know the story of St. Francis, his conversion, rebuild my church. Well, Father Paul was a modern St. Francis. And they sent him that altar, which dates back to the 1200s, um, from Mount Alvernia, which is the place where Father Paul received the stigmata. Now, all of the windows here are of our patrons, St. Peter and St. Paul, of course, uh, they were the founders of the church, and, and really the discussions between Peter and Paul about circumcision really talk about the first time where, you know, Peter is saying, and, and many of the early disciples said, you had to be Jewish before you could be Christian. And Paul said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and Thank so, goodness, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, especially for men, because circumcision would not have been fun. Oh, no. and, and so Peter and Paul, the, the, you know, going back to the beginning of the discussions that, that still animate the church. You know, we, we're still a church that's, that's noisy, you know, different opinions, and people have so many different things to say. And we have hospitality to be able to negotiate the truth and to bring it through. And, and really, Absolutely. that is what we're about as a, a Catholic church, unity and diversity. And, and this place is kind of a monument to that. We have St. Anthony up there, of course, who's one of our patrons. And, and the St. Anthony Shrine here is the oldest St. Anthony Shrine in the country. So if you'll see, you'll see it all over on the side. And of course, we also have Claire, St. Claire, who was the founder of the, of the Claritians, the, the, the poor Claires. And, and Claire and Francis were, were an item, you know. And then Our Lady of the Atonement, which is there, um, and there's a, there's a picture up there of, of where she appeared to a, a novice in, in the convent down below. Um, there's 400 acres here. 
And you know, the convent is down below. That was, um, that's where the oldest church is St. John's, and that was an Anglican church originally. Um, and, and, uh, Anglican is the Church of England? Yes. Okay, just check. But, but, but really it was the Episcopal, the American Episcopal, Episcopal Church, church. Okay. which is Thank the you. Anglican Church, you. In, in, you know, or the Church of Ireland in, in Ireland. Anyway, Our Lady of the Atonement, Chapel of the Holy Spirit. Father Paul founded the community on three scripture texts. One was John 7, 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, and from within him I will bring forth fountains of living water. And he saw this as being the um, confirmation of the fact that he used to found an order of preachers. Okay. The other one was um, Romans 5.11. We joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the atonement. But he didn't see it as atonement. It was at one -ment. Interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. And you see, this was in the, this is in the King James version of the Bible, because it's reconciliation in, in the New American Bible and, and the others. But in that particular translation, we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the atonement. And the other one was Corinthians, the institution of the Eucharist narrative. Yeah. So absolutely. Those are the three texts. But the, and the interesting thing here is. This was a water tower, and it is now the chapel of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> ah, that's great. That is wonderful. Yeah, it was very Franciscan. Yep. We, we incarnate everything, you know? And, and so inside- That is wonderful. If we come in here, you'll see this is an, this is an Eastern, this is an Orthodox chapel. Go ahead. Oh go. my goodness. Now the sacred doors are, are all being repaired. You know the, the things that come in here. All the icons are so beautiful. Yes. And see, this um, we had friars who were who were ordained by ritually, so they could do both Eastern okay. and Western liturgy. So I knew. Um, so Father Dan, the other Father Dan that yeah. I met in Montana, he was an Eastern Orthodox priest, yes. uh, Greek Catholic, and yeah. then he actually converted to Roman Catholic, and he founded a. Greek Catholic church, kind of, yeah. he celebrated some yeah. some different liturgy, and yeah. he's, so he's kind of by ritual as well. well. We, I'm we not have, exactly sure how all that works with him. Well, but. Father Father David Fitzgerald, who was at lunch, is still one who was by ritually um, ordained, and I, I don't know which other ones, but anyway, yeah, I thought this is an interesting. And thing. it's funny you said you mentioned Saints Peter and Paul yeah. because that's the name of this new church that he founded in Montana, Saints Peter and Paul. Oh. Um, now, so that's pretty cool. This cross here, you can see the cross there. Father Paul carried that up from the bottom in nineteen. No, in, well here. When he, when he, when he, he claimed this mountain for, for the Lord, and this was the cross he, and, and the fact that it still exists and hasn't worn out. That's amazing. See, one of the oldest surviving relics of the pioneers. So he brought it up on June 14, 1900, the Feast of Corpus Christi, <sighs> when he was then an Episcopalian clergyman fashioned the slender cedar into a cross and planted it here and claimed the mountain for God. And so that's 
where we are now on the Holy Mountain. <laughs> Very cool. So let us walk. Um, now, now this walk, I guess we can go around the other way. So for those of you listening on the podcast, we're walking around the Graymore Retreat Center, right? The Holy Mountain Retreat Center, yes. And this retreat center is actually just off the Appalachian Trail, which is how I found myself here. And it's about, what, maybe a quarter mile from the trail or so? Well, the Appalachian Trail runs right through our property. Okay. So, um... And they are very hospitable to hikers. It is a quarter mile from here. Actually, we will be crossing... The, um, the entrance of the trail on this walk. Okay, okay. gotcha. So. Yeah, so I found myself here uh, this morning as I was walking along the trail and I had, I wanted to stop and check it out and I just happened to show up on a great day because I was invited to, to Mass with the Friars and now I'm getting a tour here with uh, Father Dan. So thank you for your time today well, and you're very welcome. for I, you never being know part of the podcast. Never know when God is going to send a saint into your midst, you know? There you go. And I got St. David today. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I'd go that far, but I'm flattered. Well, Thank I you. you. I hope you go that far. I hope, I hope so too, but uh, that's a, a bold task there. Well, it's what we're, it's what we're. It's what we're called. all shooting for. That's yeah. right. You are correct. So. We're all called to be saints. Now this it demonstrates that there, there thousands and thousands of tourists came to Graymore over the years. And if, you know, as, as the different waves of immigrants entered the country, it would be Italian or Irish, and then it was Italian, and then it was others. Now, the, the ones who come most for St. Anthony's Day, which is the big day, are Haitians. Really? Yes, we have a huge, a huge population of patients who come in buses and 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 cars and. Uh, and so, what is the so, Haitians' connection to Saint Anthony? I don't know. You don't know? Okay. Well, I mean, everybody loves Saint Anthony. Now here, blessed water, you see, coming from the mountain. Now, we supply the water. That's awesome. We supply the water for the, the whole area. Wow. And yeah, for obviously, y'all, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see what he just pointed to, but it's literally just a, bu- a couple of taps coming out of the rock yeah. from a spring, I assume, right? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And, and this is kind of a saint's walk. Um, there, used to be a, there used to be a bookstore here. Now, as you can see, there's a, there's a, a, a pillar in there, and that was part of uh, like a maze, like a maze walk. Okay, like a prayer, prayer maze walk. Yeah, yeah I've heard of those and before. That, that will be, that will be cut out again later in the summer. And this is um, Martin de Porres. Yep, I'm familiar with Martin de Porres actually because, so the parish that I was a part of back in Rock Hill for the mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. um, is a a historically African American parish. Yeah. Uh, and so they had like a gospel choir that would perform on yeah. Sundays and stuff like that. So they're big. Big Martin DePora's fans. Well, He's, as I told you, I either go um, running, biking, or swimming every other day. I don't go every day. I go every other day. People always put money in him. <laughs> um, so, when I was in uh, when I was in Lima, at our house there, we have, we have a foundation in Lima, where we okay. have oh about twenty friars in formation, people in formation. Okay. 
And, uh, and I went running and I ran to the tomb of Martin de Porres. <laughs> oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, and St. Rose of Lima, which are in the same area. And I went and I, of course I had my running clothes on and I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any identification, but I had my, I had my watch, my Apple watch. And there was a picture of me in the habit that came up and she let me in. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And not only did she let me in, she walked me back so that I could get down on my hands and knees and kiss the, kiss, kiss the, uh, the girl. That's so cool. That, that sounds like me today. I, I was at the front desk and the lady, I asked the lady if you had any daily masses and she go, she, she made some calls and talked to some people and then she, she came back and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, but you know, they're not open to the public. Yeah. They do have a mass, but it's not open to the public. And I said, well, I am a seminarian. And then she made another call and called you. Yeah. And then I ended up getting to be able to come to mass. So yeah. this, is the, this is our Lady of the Atonement Chapel. That's a, an old airline hangar. Wow, that's cool. It was brought in in, uh, in like the, the mid 40s, I think. And, and it accommodates thousands if it's fully, you know, fully equipped with chairs and so on. Um, yeah. These are these are uh, these are the candles that are being brought in for the pilgrims on St. Anthony's Day. They will they, they will just That's an entire pallet of candles. Yes. Which, that is insane. Which will all be burned. <laughs> and this is where we have Sunday mass, you know, for, for people who come. Wow. That was painted by a friar. Years ago, you know, he's, he's, that's amazing. He, he's he's dead now, I think. But anyway, yeah, that's this is our, our Lady of the Atonement. Wow. That all may be one. That's awesome, and that that's right in line with Glen Mary and the spirit of Glen Mary, the ecumen the ecumenism part of it, because where Glen Mary operates is in the Bible Belt in Appalachia. And so they, they that's an important part of their ministry too in that area, yeah. is um, engaging with people from other faith traditions, other other denominations outside of Catholicism. Now so. that is the St. Anthony Shrine that I told you about. They have big outdoor masses there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's all up there. I'm sorry, sorry for the, the leaf blowers. They drive me crazy. That's okay. Somebody's got to keep it clean, right? Yeah, but, but not with so much water. They kept it clean for years without it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think this is the road that I walked up on initially. Yes. And we could have gone the back way, um, but I, I think this is the most direct right now. And this here. It's okay, it's a nice day. This, um, this is the booth that was used to be able to organize the dozens of buses that would come up with, with pilgrims. Okay. And we don't get quite as many pilgrims as we used to because People don't go to church as much as they used to. Um, yeah, especially up in up in this area in the Northeast, you see a lot of churches closing, uh, unfortunately, and consolidating and things like that. Yeah. 
I have a friend that works in the Diocese of Cincinnati, uh, and they're doing this program called Beacons of Light, yeah. and it's, it's essentially a church consolidation thing. She lives in Dayton, Ohio, and I think she said they have like 52 churches in the city, and they're consolidating them all down to 12. Oh, yeah. And they're doing like, yeah, so anyway. I, I'm familiar with that, that, that issue in this region. But it's funny because in the South, we have the opposite program. A lot of the, or the opposite problem, excuse me. The, um, a lot of the churches in the South are growing because people are moving from the Northeast to the South. And so you have a lot of, for, for a variety of reasons, you know, the weather, the politics, the oh. retirement, all those different things. And so people, um, there's well, actually we, a lot more Catholics in the South we, we had, uh, than there used to we be. We had a parish in Virginia that, um, that grew very much because of the, the, the growth of, of Catholic population in Virginia. We also opened uh, a parish in Apex, North Carolina, okay. St. Andrews, and that was the same thing, and it just blossomed, you know, and it's still a very big parish. The thing is, is people aren't having children like they used to. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of absolutely. Eight, I'm one of eight kids. Um, my mom's one of eight too. Yeah, and none of my siblings have had. Well, my twin brother had four boys in two marriages, um, and the rest of them had two or three. Mo had four, but one died. Um, but most of them had two or three kids. Yeah. And I had none. <laughs> Naturally, yes. Yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you don't have the youth population that you once did for, yeah. for education, and you know it's just a whole different context. And the community, uh, the the church community and culture has changed tremendously. Yeah, it, absolutely. It just doesn't exist like it did in you know in the days of. Of ghettos, you know, you had the Jewish ghetto and the and the Catholic ghetto and the Protestant ghetto, and people don't collect in one neighborhood like they used to. I mean, although I'm from I'm from Irish Catholic Democratic Alcoholic South Buffalo, which <laughs> <laughs> that's a mouthful, yes, which still exists, but it's it's much smaller than it was, you know, it's, and it's not as cohesive as it was. Although people do stay in touch with one another. Um, and we all, you know, we all know what happened to everybody as they moved all over the world for professional reasons or, or for what have you. But it's, you know, you just, the church is growing in a whole different way in the, in the United States than it is in South America, where there is still very much a, uh, you know, kind of a, a community population and a community culture that is cohesive and that is really conducive to vocation. Because the vocation grows in a family. Absolutely. It grows from the culture of, of, of faith. Yeah, you need to be surrounded by other people who are passionate about their faith to even consider a vocation. Yeah, and, and, and to be able to know, not only be passionate about it, but but to live it in normalcy it's yeah as if it's like uh, of course and yeah so, exactly and, and so that kind of ground is is what nurtures a vocation and allows us to be able to um, to live it comfortably and 
and really understand. And that goes for vocations to the priesthood and vocations to marriage too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So. I mean, even marriage. In the neighborhood where I grew up, people, you know, just divorce was, was, you know, just didn't happen. And when it did, it was a big scandal. <laughs> yeah. Now it's. It's commonplace. That's right. That's right. And so. So this is where the trail crosses. You can see a white blaze down the, there. This is where I came out of the woods this morning. Now this is where I, I put my skis on and, and go down that way. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then across the street, there's a beautiful area where, where I can ski in and, and then go up to get a great view of the Hudson I, I can't even imagine trying to... It's hard enough walking those trails. I can't even imagine trying to ski them. So, kudos to you. Well, I, they're they're backcountry skis. It's not, you know, yeah, yeah, cross-country skis. But even still, like that's just that blows my mind. But then again, I grew up in on the beach in South Carolina, where snow is a foreign concept. Well, so. and I grew up in Buffalo, where snow is, you know, it's de rigueur. You know? Yep. <laughs> so that makes sense. Anyway, when Father Paul um, and Mother Lorena founded the Society of the Atonement, because the Society of the Atonement is the friars, the Franciscan friars of the Atonement, and the Franciscan sisters of the Atonement in one society. And that's where the, okay. the S-A after our names, like I'm Father Daniel Callahan, S-A. That's not Sinners Anonymous. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Society of the Atonement. Very cool. <laughs> And well, this has been wonderful getting to learn more about your society. I'd never heard of them before a couple days ago, quite honestly. Somebody told me, several people actually told me I needed to stop here on my way once I told them, you know, I was Catholic and discerning or going to seminary and all that stuff. They're like, yeah, you should totally stop at Graymore and well, check it out. The little houses down here, um, Father Paul had a vision of having married people, um, fry, you know, priests, brothers, tertiaries, married couples, all of whom were parts of the Society of the Atonement. Well, that part, because of the politics and the reality of the Catholic Church, never really materialized. It, it, was, it was too prophetic for its time. Now, it could happen. You know, especially when we think about where, where Pope Francis is, you know, talking about... Absolutely. You know, the, 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 the call to holiness that all of us have and the call to community that, that is so crucial and important to, um, to building the church in the modern world. Yeah, and I think too, in, in many cases across, obviously this isn't the case everywhere, but in a lot of cases, diocesan priests don't really have good community. And uh, so that might be part of what St. Francis is getting at in that, in, in that call to community is that we need to do a better job of, of helping diocesan priests to have that community that, um, that is experienced in a better way, I feel like, in a lot of orders. Yeah. And, yeah well, Maybe the best way to put it. And, and what Pope Francis was talking about with Laudato Si and, and, um, and, and in his writings, it's really about building community with all of creation. Yeah. All of nature and all people. And, and I think Manny, hi there. Hey, buddy. Hello there. Hi, Lucy. Oh, that's so cute. How are ya? Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Well.
Anyway, my doctor. So we are back after that interruption from Lucy Dog. The golden retriever came and decided to say hello, and she kind of got tied up in all of our microphone wires here. So yes, it's, it, pardon the interruption. It, it, it's a great argument for wireless connections. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, she, that dog but the wired. wire, the wireless connections require batteries and charging, which is a little more hard to come by on the trail. Hence, yeah. opting for the wired connection. Anyway, these these houses, you know, really represent what Father Paul would have liked to see families being part of the Christian community. Absolutely, that that's wonderful. Yeah. And we're on our way now. The, the yellow building straight ahead is our destiny. Okay. And that is our... It, it's called you mean destination? Yeah, it's destination. <laughs> Thank you. That is, uh, that is Mother Lorena home, which is a convent. I think there's one sister living there now, but it, it, it served as a place of hospitality for senior women. And, okay. Um, who had a day, daycare program there. Okay. And... Uh, and, and that it was done away with because there weren't enough sisters to run it. So, you know. At its peak, how many sisters lived there? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I know at its peak, the sisters, there were 300 and I think 370 sisters. Wow. Who were in Japan, Italy, Canada, United States. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's like the friars. The friars were in, we still are, we're in Japan, Italy. Um, uh, Peru, um, Canada, and the United States. So which branch? So you're your, are you guys your own branch of the Franciscans, or yes. how does that work? Okay. Well, the, Fra the Franciscan Friars and Sisters of the Atonement were founded at the same time in 1898. Gotcha. Because I know there's other types of Franciscans yes. as well. Yes. And, and, and of course, St. Francis lived in the 1200s, so, and he founded the Friars Minor, um, and of course, Saint Claire, and, and in a way, I suppose the poor Claires, although Saint Claire wrote the rule for the, the poor Claires, and uh, and then there were the Third Order Franciscans that came from the Ordo Penitentia, the, the the thousands who came and spoke to Francis and said, write us a rule, and Francis wrote them a rule, yeah, the, the, the th Third Order regular and. That's why thousands joined, because they were like Albigensians and Waldensians and others who wanted to live radical poverty. And, and, and St. Francis wrote them. And rule. they wanted to said, live that as lay people, correct? Because third order is lay no, people? No, some of them no? are. No? Okay. Some of the lay, some are, 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 some are, are, are priests. But he said, you must be Catholic. So they were coming to him from different traditions that were not they weren't even traditions they were just uh, ways of living christianity and they were looking for an authentic rule and francis wrote it for them that's cool but he said you must be catholic and so they became catholic <laughs> very cool yeah. well i i had always thought that third order meant meant lay people but i guess it's the third order is a mix and it's yeah. based on a specific rule yeah. of life and then and is then that how had, it works yeah, well, okay. then you had the franciscan the Franciscans themselves had a split in the beginning because some said we should own property and others said, no, we can't own property. So you had the conventuals 
who had the convent and they own property. And that's why they have the body of Francis at St. Francis Basilica in Assisi because they're the conventuals and they were allowed to have property. The Friars Minor who said, you can't have property. Well, now they have property and they yeah. all follow the same first order rule and tradition, but they were two different communities. Then you had the Capuchins who came along um, several hundred years later and said, we aren't living poverty radically enough. And so the Friars OFM, Friars Minor, Order of Friars Minor, Capuchin, follow a rule of Francis that was written, but in a, in a tradition that's more radically poor. Yes, Now that makes sense. We were founded under the First Order rule. However, when we came into the Roman Catholic Church, Rome said that we could not follow the first order because we were founded too late. And so we had to follow the third order rule. So we followed the third order rule under the first order tradition. <laughs> Just because you wanted to confuse people. Yes, yes. If it sounds complicated. That's because it is. It must be the Catholic Church. <laughs> yep. That sounds about right. Yes. So, oh goodness. Well, the, um, the, the two Franciscans that I've known in Clemson, Father Dan and Father Bob, uh, Father Dan McClellan and Father Bob Menard, they are both OFMs, I believe, oh, Franciscan yeah. Minor. Right. Um, and they were, they were sent to uh, Clemson because originally when they were sent there, it was uh, a smaller community. Uh, more of a mission-style community at Clemson, but it has grown now, significantly over the years. This is the first friary. Getting wrapped up here. That's what Father Paul lived his first winter in. Oh my gosh, that looks like a shack. It's a shack with a tin roof. <laughs> and here it is. Amazing. From here up, preserved. Wow. Except it didn't have a wood floor. So he was freezing in a New York winter. Yes, and, 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 and he had a, an umbrella up because the roof leaked. Jeez. Yeah, you don't see any shingles on there, do you? No. <laughs> wow. So this is where we were founded. Just, I thought you might be in That's so cool. Yeah. And of course now it's a little chapel for people to This is brand new. Come, uh, Come praying. When I go out running, this is where I end. I go here and then I run, run the rest. And when yeah. I'm on the bicycle, I, I have a 25-mile dirt bike route, and this is where I end. Nice. So Very yeah. cool. Yeah. This is a, it's a nice spot. Yeah. Just to remember where, we're where we came from. Absolutely. Uh, so... As I wrap up today's episode with my Wink of the Week segment, I really just wanted to give a huge shout out to Father Dan and all the other friars who hosted me at Graymore on Thursday. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience and I can't recommend them enough. If you ever find yourself up in this area of New York by the Hudson River and the Hudson River Valley, definitely look them up and go check them out. It's worth a stop if you're Catholic 
And even if you're not Catholic, it's just a beautiful place to come pray, and it's very serene and quiet, and there's lots of little chapels that are just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so it's a wonderful place to just pray and come calm your heart, and uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. So with that, I will jump into the Wink of the Week segment and then wrap up this week's episode. So this week's Wink of the Week was almost certainly my time at Graymore. And it started actually the night before. So the previous night on Wednesday night, I camped just shy of Graymore. And I tried to look up some stuff about the center because I knew that it was coming up. I knew I'd be passing it the next day. And when I looked online and Googled the Graymore Retreat Center, I came across a weekly devotional by the Franciscan friar, Father Bob. And I was like, huh, that's funny because there are two Franciscan friars at Clemson who run St. Andrew's Parish, and their names are Father Bob Menard and then Father Dan McClellan. And so immediately I was like, huh, that's funny. They have a Franciscan named Father Bob. And so then I get there on Thursday morning and it ends up being Father Dan who is the one that greets me and invites me up for mass and to stay for lunch afterwards. And so I, I, I ended up getting a picture with Father Dan and Father Bob at Graymore. And I'm going to share that with, uh, I haven't had a chance yet to do so, but I plan to, to share that in an email with uh, Father Dan and Father Bob uh, back in Clemson. So I'm sure they'll get a kick out of that. But that was certainly a God wink there to be greeted by Father Dan and Father Bob. Uh, and so that just made, made the day all the more special to be greeted by uh, two guys who are both friars with the same name. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode of the Future Father Dave podcast. I'm eternally grateful for this opportunity to share my journey with you. And I pray that in sharing my story, I can inspire you in your own spiritual journey.